0: I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Uh, Da, da, da. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay. Oh, yeah? Today's Christmas Eve. Yeah. Uh, So there's that. Mm -hmm. We received a lot of nice messages and gifts. So we'd like to say thank you. Mm -hmm. Merci beaucoup. Very sweet. Um, I was going to continue... Or start a conversation we had in the live yesterday. Oh, yeah. For maybe because people seem to like that, <laughs> or uh-huh. the topic we were talking about, which was someone asked us to respond to the Color Purple press tour and the things Taraji P. Henson has been saying. Basically, she's just saying that she's had a difficult time getting the kind of work and pay she feels she deserves. She even commented that she had to fight for her money on the color purple. A lot of people commented on her body language during this current press tour. So we had just talked about it for quite some time. Uh, Mm -hmm. We both agree that she should certainly advocate for herself and more people should. Mm -hmm. My sort of addendum to that was I think she may be shooting herself in the foot because while the audience might congratulate her for speaking up, the people who would actually hire her might avoid her. Well And so that was my concern for her.
1: Yeah. Of course that but somebody I I I think it's brave that you know, she's choosing to speak about it when she wants to speak about it. But but again, yeah, historically, especially women, well, and you know, predominantly white women in the history of Hollywood that spoke out were punished. But, you know, we're living in a different uh, time and place, well, not place, but where the gatekeepers aren't just white people that are going to be potentially angry at hearing having her hear that and you know the other gatekeepers like okay maybe oprah won't want to work with her again but oprah's not the only game in town there's a lot of people that would want to work with her i think
0: i think she's also brave but i think you know you can be brave and stupid and i think (laughs) yes but she you know oprah's not the only game in town taraji p Henson's not the only game in town and the only thing people would know her from like depending on the kind of project she wants would be as playing a very specific character being cookie on empire. Mm-hmm. I feel like that role probably has probably limited her. And that's why she hasn't been getting the kind of offers she thinks she should. And I just think being easy to work with that's often weaponized. Like, because I was advocating for self for, for myself, because I spoke up about something now I'm difficult. And you know, of course, like Monique sort of derailed, her career was derailed after she didn't want to do press for Precious because she wasn't going to be paid. Mm -hmm. And I totally- Those are fair things. I mean- I don't want to work for free
1: either. But I think, you know, the other thing is people don't really realize what's going on. Lots of people just assume that everything is taken care of for these people in these year long press tours that happen with stuff. And it's like, no, actually,
0: I will say, though, I think in my own career, I've been able to get ahead because I did do things that maybe were outside of the scope of what I may have been compensated for with the idea that like, oh, if I come across as easy to work with, that might benefit me in the future, which it has. For sure. But then
1: I I think the flip side of that is these are like Monique and Taraji. These are people that have. Uh, successful careers they are notable people they're talented people and i think at a point the frustration comes is like well when am i going to be treated that way uh by this industry that i'm working
0: in but i don't know that it's linear in the way that you know if you're a nurse like an rn and you have your two-year rn and then you go back and get your bsn And then you get your MSN and then you get all those certifications they put on their office plaque that allow them to continue to grow in their career. Those are quantifiable things that should warrant um, promotions and pay raises because we can qualify and quantify your skill level when it comes to art, which is what acting is. I just don't know that just because you've done X number of projects or you got this nomination or this award. Or because people like you in this that doesn't necessarily translate to a dollar amount because the reality is the most talented actor you know like if we can all agree someone's very talented that doesn't mean that the project they're in will be a success so then someone has to front that money and it's really easy to be like well these corporations these um studios but they're not these like infinite wells of money they have shareholders they have to be accountable to so it is a business it is a business but there's there are broader uh
1: issues at play here particularly if we're speaking if, so if we're speaking of women that there's a legacy of like well women we only pay women this much so that is why you're getting this offer if you're a black woman you're going to get even less than that because that is that 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 is the uh, part of the the caste system of, of what's Uh, and how payment is involved in that so the only way to change that is for people to be very loud and, and vocal about the bullshit
0: you can be as loud as you want but the numbers have to make sense like you know Monique was saying like how could Amy Schumer get paid the kind of money Dave Chappelle was and Chris Rock and well and that she was offered peanuts and it's like well because Amy Schumer had had
1: Well, she was a number one movie hot streak. Yeah, she
0: had a hot streak. She was selling out arenas. So Netflix knew that her comedy special would be streamed at a level that would warrant that pay. Monique would not. And I'm sure Monique's Netflix special who we we talked about her Netflix special more than once on the podcast and the YouTube channel Mm -hmm. and people didn't even know she had a special Mm -hmm. people didn't even know she came out as queer technically so clearly she didn't get the kind of audience that someone like Amy Schumer did and that is why she did not get paid the money Mm -hmm. to me I think it's just numbers because if if she did they would have paid her what she's worth to them that's the other thing value is relative yeah, maybe from, for someone my age range and my background, yeah, Monique has much more value to me than an Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Like I watch the Parkers and I love the Queens of comedy. Like I know Monique. So if I had to choose one, I would definitely choose Monique. But Netflix knows their demographics. They know their streaming habits. Like they knew that she would not warrant a $10 million payday. And that's why they offered her ass two hundred fifty thousand because that's what they thought that she would bring I, in
1: yes and in retrospect it's like well what she should have done is take that money and have a killer set
0: if you ask me that's what
1: she should have done but and, because and, the exposure and then in the background the thing is like it it's much easier to say these things it's like like taraji you know what if she it, I don't know, you can't predict the future, so she's seizing the opportunity to speak her truth now, but it's like, how much more powerful would it be if, like, say, she won the Oscar, and then she's like, oh, by the way, I had to struggle to get paid what I was worth
0: on this black production. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you ask me, I would say that would still be a stupid thing for her to do. I think it's a real thing and a brave thing, and I I definitely agree with why you feel that that, that it would be, but I just don't know that shooting yourself in the foot is going to help anyone certainly not yourself and well what her statement in
1: those clips i'm watching is also about the 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 women that are coming up behind her so if she doesn't say if she's not going to say something who is and
0: i think we need to choose our battles and sometimes i mean i also think it's a little odd that you choose this predominantly black production which is sort of being led by uh, a, a very powerful black woman that's who, true who and- is problematic in some ways but i think we have to appreciate her for what she represents it's like you kind of choose this project well, it's to like- be real outspoken and cry on everyone's stage about how you don't get paid what you deserve and of course we all so now on social media everyone's assuming like every if, if you hashtag taraji p henson every tiktok video is people talking about how she and oprah have beef so now it's mm-hmm. like you brought this negative energy to this Project that's supposed to be uplifting, about uplifting yeah. and black sisterhood. And it, yeah, it to me, it just seems like
1: it's it could backfire in her face, much like Ray Don Chong and Oprah. You know, look at
0: well, <laughs> speaking of other color, pur- the previous color purple's beef. And I'm sure some of that is punitive, and I would argue that that's not fair. But like I mentioned in the live, if I were a producer, I wouldn't work with. Raji P. Henson, just based off of this, really, and I her attitude. It? I, know. I would. I... There are a lot of really talented, beautiful black women in their fifties who can act. Like I, who would, like she's not the only game in town. And we have to be realistic. Sure, uh, but
1: I I, I, I don't see the the need to. Well, even even kind of what Monique had to go through to get kind of back on track and she, you know, she isn't, has been in stuff and she's worked with Lee Daniels again.
0: Uh, but if we take this situation and apply it to regular people like us, right. So like, if, if I have an employee at my corporate job where we do a basic thing that, you know, like we're, we're not famous, we're not rich, no one knows about us, but here we are. And I have an employee who, you know, comes to me and says like, I deserve more money, I want to raise okay well what have you done that exceeds the expectation what are you willing to do to warrant this pay increase oh you want a title change well does does the business need uh match this desired role you want i mean if this were like a real job like a nine to five that most of us work this sort of attitude wouldn't necessarily apply right Mm -hmm. sure like you kind of it, like it's not always fair and people have preferences too like
1: it's not fair but no it,
0: filmmaker is obligated the, to give her a role right if like the
1: disparity is such that it needs to be corrected i mean that 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 is a, a real problem
0: and then th- this may be controversial but whenever actors talk about having difficulty getting roles i immediately assume it's them in the same way when you meet someone who's always talking about how like dating is so hard men and trash are like men in la are trash i've been on 38 dates in 2023 and none of them turned into anything what would be the first thing you would think
1: the common denominator is you you
0: bitch <laughs> it's you girl i just think there are there have been like actors over the years who have had similar complaints and I just think, like, I think maybe it's you. Like, maybe you're difficult. What? what?
1: Sure. There. I mean, it. It's not. Uh. It, there could be multiple reasons. Why can't yes. Halle Berry keep
0: a man? Why can't <laughs> Halle Berry like, like, why is her career not better? I. I just think like. But
1: I, there, there's some truth in what what she's what they're being offered, and there's a, a you know uh they're only being considered for certain things maybe i don't want to diminish her
0: you know feelings and what is probably happening to her i'm just making it a bigger statement about it just it's also maybe falling on deaf ears because you know there there is a
1: difficult there there, say like somebody like we know somebody personally who is a, a a known actor and after her first big film which was still an, a really small film, but it was a lead part in this indie film directed by somebody notable. And then all of a sudden she was auditioning for roles that were going to people like Halle Berry, but, but she still wasn't
0: notable. So then, then. Yeah, but she kept her. That type of person. Gets, she kept her head down and kept working and continued to do a lot and then has been on a successful series. too. Yeah. So I think that but, but if just... you ask me her, the person you're talking about, I think that that her approach seems more appropriate to me. It's like, yeah, things don't seem fair and there are injustices and you know, it's not just race, it's gender and, mm-hmm. but it's like, you keep going. And I don't know that I'm not saying never speak out. I'm just saying that if you choose to speak out, there may be repercussions. So my personality would be that I could probably benefit myself and others more if I just continue to put in the hard work and then maybe someday I'll be in a position where I can affect change in a different way. Sure. But you I know? also,
1: I also agree. I, I, I think that there's, it's powerful. It's powerful to speak truth to power as well. So I, I, I mean, we'll, we'll see how this all plays out for her, but I wasn't, uh bothered by her doing that it seems that people have very strong opinions about it it's like maybe we should just back up and uh let let the room breathe
0: i'm definitely a like non-confrontational non-violent approach to things but i also respect people who feel like no like we need to take a stand like we need to be aggressive and loud I, I don't have a very strong opinion against that. You know, that. squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? I don't know. Like, if so, if, yeah, but then to call attention, see, but again, it's just my personality to call attention to yourself in a negative way. Because again, for all of us who support her and think she's great, it's like good for her. And I genuinely mean that like, good for her for speaking her mind. She clearly felt like she needed to say something. Mm-hmm. But then for the people who actually are in control, because we're not that doesn't appeal to them. Sure. Yeah. I'd... Like, you know, wh- when I was managing a team, like, yeah, the employees who would constantly complain and want something else. And it's like, can you just do your job? Like, I don't think what you're asking for is wrong. And I, w- you know, there would be a lot of times when the, what the person was asking for, it's like, you know, I wish we could do that for you. That would be great, but we can't. So you become a nuisance to me. Like. Every time, like I, I cringe every time I see that you're requesting some one-on-one time with me, because I like, I know you're going to talk about money and duties and, and raises and title changes. Like, Mm -hmm. so it's not that I don't think people deserve things, but it's also, you know, we all want things to be a little easier. And I'm just saying that I can't imagine these filmmakers many of whom have a difficult time getting projects off the ground mm-hmm. yeah and then you think these streaming platforms that you know have their hands wrapped around everyone's necks it's like they have they wield a lot of power yeah and these executives at Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or whatever you know if if they get a bad feeling about someone if, if executives on Netflix are like this Taraji character, I don't know, mm-hmm. that lady's never going to be on a Netflix show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, that seems like a big portion of the pie to just throw down the shitter. Yes. but I think that's all I would say about that for now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we'll see how
1: we'll see how it goes. This I, evolves.
0: I hope it works out well for her. Understand. There was a question um, about animation because You had said that you really didn't love that first Spider-Man Spider-Verse movie. And then I had commented that I didn't like how it looked. So there was a question about like, which animation style do we like? And I think we both agree, like, it's not how the movie looks, it's the story. And then if I don't love the story and I think it looks weird, Mm -hmm. like the Spider-Man movie, it doesn't help. There are times when the look of a film does help, but you were saying that there are like six animation styles.
1: I believe so, five or six. But yeah, I don't I, have a preference. I don't have a preference. It. Uh, I didn't. I don't love the Spider-Man animated films because I don't inherently love the self-reflexivity, the endless uh, self-referential bullshit that supplies supposedly what's called comedy in those films. Um, I, I don't. I just don't care for. I, I just don't care for superheroes.
0: I just thought that the animation looked like it was supposed to be in three D, but I didn't get the three D glasses, so that just, you know, I didn't love that. But yeah, I didn't. Buy, it's
1: kind of like uh, Miyazaki's films. Look, like, I, I really love Spirited Away, but you know, re- watching my Neighborhood Totoro, it's like I don't like precocious children. That are screaming and wailing through a whole movie so you know those miyazaki films which focus on residuous little girls i i don't don't like as much and that has nothing to do with the animation style it's purely uh the story and the grading characters that i have to sit with for however long
0: in the sorry to this man section there were a lot of comments about oh i already forgot yeah iron claw and how there's a sixth brother who killed himself and I mean,
1: is that in the film? No. So, OK, so I, I, I was responding to the, what was presented in the film. I bet. Yeah,
0: I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why the filmmaker didn't include that, but that wasn't in the film. So I mean, how would I have known anyway? But there's that. And then we reviewed a film called Anyone But You. Mm-hmm. And one of the most grating characters I've experienced in a long time is played by an actor named Gata, who I guess is a rapper. But no, it's, it's Gata, Gata. Sorry, I kept calling
1: him Gata. I was calling him Gata too. Yeah, it's apparently it's like alligator. And then
0: someone said spelled like alligator, the, but alligator is not spelled that way. But whatever, I certainly don't want to deliberately mispronounce someone's name. Well, but course, you know, proper I, nouns are difficult because sometimes they don't make sense. The I mean, English
1: language doesn't make sense, the English but, language doesn't make sense. But you know, well, one, I you know, I'm, I'm white, so uh, I, I not, I mean, I like. Some rap and hip hop. I would probably, I I, I would probably
0: discontinue this conversation and just say that this person's name is Gaeta and we did not mean to mispronounce it.
1: I did not mean to mispronounce it, but I would say that a lot. I feel you're going to dig yourself a hole. No, a a -A G-A-Y or a -A G-A-E would uh, automatically
0: give the English speaker I think you are digging yourself a hole. I just would stop that. Okay. (laughs) Moving on to projects of interest out of this world. I'm
1: trying to... Oh, see, you pivoted too fast. I don't have my notes up.
0: Something by Albert Sarah. Oh,
1: Albert Sarah's new movie. Yeah. He is apparently... Well, I really liked his last... Well, I've liked all his films that I've seen, but Fiction with uh, Benoit Majumel was pretty damn good. Uh, you didn't see it. And uh, he's working on something that's probably going to come out in 2025. I'm thinking it's shooting this summer. It's uh, dealing with uh I, th- I think what's going on in ukraine uh so it's going to be another kind of political film from him but yeah so that's exciting to me and secret agents uh kleber Mendonça filho the brazilian director uh, apparently he's going to work with uh wagner mura uh, for his new film which sounds like some spy espionage type thing
0: all right so we're doing something new we're going to start a patreon or patron. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. I didn't bother to look it up. Uh, but, I think it's Patreon. <laughs> but but I've, I've already started it. There is a little bit of content there already. It hasn't been published yet. I'm, I'm waiting for there to be more things before I expect people to sign up. But what we're going to do, uh, for one, is the Movies for Fun section will move to the Patreon. Mm-hmm. Because I think these podcasts can get a little long. And there has been feedback that yeah like it seems like that section may not be it it, it may be served better to be on its own so i thought that would be a, a good thing to remove from the podcast and then put it onto the patreon oh, you didn't
1: tell me about this feedback
0: well just that yeah well because then it would might allow for like more time spent on certain films it may also allow to actually like list out the films we're talking about because it's really hard to reference because sometimes we'll talk about a film at length in this section Mm -hmm. and then when someone asks have we talked about it it's hard to but if i make it a separate section i could actually list out the films so that it can be referenced but that will be part of it we're going to do singular reviews of films we didn't do for the YouTube channel, like films that we didn't catch as a new release. And now they're like a month or two old, Mm -hmm. you know, something like leave the world behind or like rebel moon, Mm -hmm. things like that, where we didn't really have an interest in seeing it, but then like everyone keeps asking us to review it. Mm -hmm. And then we're working on a way to allow people to request reviews since that seems to be a huge portion of the comments we get is people asking us to review movies. We obviously can't watch all the movies people ask us to watch. So I I think a good way to filter that is to um, make people pay for that. So, (laughs) So I'm trying to figure out a dollar amount that makes sense. But that would be an option that someone could pay. And, and it's such a burden for you to figure
1: that out, you know? Uh, uh, yeah. And
0: yeah. then so someone could say like this month, I want you to review Gone with the Wind. So then we will do like a singular review that we would post about Gone with the Wind. So I would recommend, you know, probably choosing movies that mean something to you and not just trying to get me to watch like the new big thing streaming on Netflix. Sure. Burr. Yeah. <laughs> But that's that. So that means we would move on now to the obituary section. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there are two entries. Otar, uh, Ios, Otar, I, ask, uh,
1: O-tar, I, uh, I also... <laughs> <laughs> He's a He's a, probably the most famous Georgian filmmaker ever. O- Otar I- I also, Um, who I've seen a few things of his, including his last film. Uh. Winter something starring uh, Matthew Amalric, but he's probably best known. Also, uh, Amalric was in his big, his biggest film is, uh, I think it's 1984's Favorites of the Moon, which is a really vibrant, beautiful film. If you haven't seen it, I know Cone uh, Media Group restored it and put it on Blu-ray probably a decade ago, but uh, that's really worth seeking out. But, uh, and a lot of his stuff is kind of unavailable, but yeah, he was 89. And
0: Shirley Ann
1: Field. This is a British actress. She actually died. I forgot to mention her probably a couple, probably two podcast sessions ago, but she was uh, 87. And there's this uh, Joseph Losey film she did called The Damned, which I have been meaning to watch and I haven't had time. But uh, that sounds very
0: interesting to me. All right. Well, let's take a break. This week's secret film was my choice, and I chose the 2003 comedy film Girls Will Be Girls. Mm -hmm. Why did I choose this film? There's a character in it named Evie, played by Jack Plotnick. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this was before or after the film. It might have been the inspiration for this character. But he did did this character and made a YouTube video, and it was called Christmas Evie. Mm Mm-hmm. So I always think about Christmas Eve and so I thought, oh, girls will be girls. That character singing Christmas songs is not in this movie. So this is not a holiday movie no. by any means, but it's just <laughs> it's the Christmas Eve. And since today is, is Christmas, Christmas Eve, Eve-y. that's the connection. And also I got tired of Christmas movies because we reviewed like six of them already. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm t- I'm ready for Christmas. I don't know if it's because we watched an inordinate amount of Christmas movies for us. so. I feel like I'm ready for the season to
0: end now. Yeah. So this movie was sort of an attempt at transitioning out of Christmas. But what is Girls Will Be Girls about? Three actresses at various places on the Hollywood food chain navigate the minefield of love, aging, and ambition. Oh, and they're all played by men.
1: That sounds like the original log line. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, When were you introduced to this film?
1: Oh, I think a pair of old Queens had an after party once and put this on and that was the first time I'd seen it until we all fell asleep. But, um, which would have been probably 2006.
0: I remember renting this when I still lived in Vegas and I would make my, you know, weekly trips to Hollywood video to see what else is in the gay section. Oh, Hollywood video. And I remember thinking it was a lot of fun.
1: Yes. I, you know, I remember passing by the DVD cover on the shelf and bypassing it because I didn't like the
0: cover. <laughs> it's a low-budget short film. It's like, what is it, like 80 minutes? Mm-hmm. It. I mean, and it looks real cheap. But it works, I think. I think it I works. I find it very charming. The three leads are so
1: good, and I think a testament of like what what drag queens could really be capable of that the the uh continuous mill of people running through rupaul's drag race could learn a bitter thing or two from
0: yeah because even though that premise i read calls out the fact they're men i don't ever think about the three main characters as men in the film
1: i said i have a friend that that, that, a lady with an adam apple adam's apple (laughs)
0: Okay, so this movie, so Evie is played by Jack Plotnick and Evie is this washed up alcoholic Mm -hmm. actress who lives somewhere in LA in this house. And she rents one of her rooms out to a woman named Coco, played by Coco Peru. Mm -hmm. And so we see them living together. Evie's awful. And one day she tells Coco, oh, I rented out your room to this new girl who's coming today so of course coco's upset because she has to move into a smaller room she doesn't like it's
1: called the bicentennial that's called the bicentennial room but apparently she's not allowed to redecorate
0: (laughs) so this new girl shows up and her name is varla
1: varla jean merman
0: played by the drag queen varla jean merman and varla is a little starlet she's moved to la to become an actress and right away we learn that her mother was an actress named Marla. <laughs> and in flashbacks, Marla is played by Varla, except Varla has red hair and her mother had blonde hair. But we find out that Evie knew Marla. They were sort of rivals. Okay, so we see through the film that Evie's becoming jealous of Varla because Varla's actually getting work. At first, she. Becomes a prostitute. So there's this sequence where she's been tricked by a pimp. But Evie's son Stevie falls in love with, with Varla. He's an attorney with and somehow micro. helps her get acting gigs with a micro penis. Yeah. With a micro. I don't even think you can call it a micro penis. It looked like <laughs> I have a skin tag bigger than that thing. look <laughs> But anyway, Varla's career is on the rise. So of course, Evie is super jealous and mad. But at a point, Varla says, hey, why don't you do one of those late night infomercials and just make it like a one woman variety show? I'll give you $10,000 towards the $40,000 you need to do it. And Evie's like, yeah, I'll get a second mortgage on my house and I'll do it.
1: (laughs) To pay for this, yeah.
0: So the end of the movie is this this, uh, television special called Evie. And... Isn't it it all about Evie? Or all about Evie? Is it? I don't know. Um, But as the special starts, we can see that there's something wrong with Evie. And so immediately we think Varla sabotaged her. But we find out it's actually Coco. Coco drugged her because she just hates her. So during this variety show, because Evie's like hallucinating, she tells the truth about what happened to Varla's mother. And we find out that Varla's mother had been cast in this big movie called Asteroid, Mm -hmm. but Evie wanted the role, so she sabotaged Marla. So Evie is actually the star of Asteroid, and that's like her one claim to fame. Mm -hmm. As a result, Varla became depressed and killed herself. So Evie is responsible for, as the film is saying, the death of Marla. So all is revealed. Evie has to sell her house because of course she didn't make any money off of this train wreck of a special. Varla is now like a working actress and she's in a relationship with Stevie and Coco, (laughs) Coco married when she was younger. Um, she had to get an abortion and she fell in love with the abortion doctor, Mm -hmm. but then they never reconnected
1: she got pregnant again. So she'd have another chance at seeing the abortion. Yeah. Doctor. She
0: actually had to, which, which we can talk about, but she ends up meeting this doctor many years later, like in current time, because she gets into a car accident. And and so the ER doctor, so this abortion doctor, I guess, transitioned to being an ER doctor, mm-hmm. <laughs> he actually drugs and rapes her, <laughs> but they fall in love and get married. So now Coco, you call it that, yeah. Coco, moves off so I guess everyone has a happy ending this movie is ridiculous it
1: is very bizarre yes uh if you don't you know I had a movie night for this uh where and you were there with double feature with this and Myra Breckenridge I don't
0: remember okay I know I've seen this movie more than a few times Mm -hmm. uh so Jack Plotnick is Evie looks so (laughs) sinewy and wears like this like pixie cut wig and the joke is that he wears dentures has a glass eye um all he does is drink when he first gets up like that first day we meet him as soon as he pops into the kitchen and sees coco he goes oh nothing like that first puke of the day (laughs) (laughs) and then when we meet varla and evie's talking about her mother once she realizes that this girl is her daughter she says that. Oh yeah, your mother offed herself. Oh, I'm sorry, passed herself away.
1: <laughs> She's so mean. She's like Marla's Such a nice name. It's also it's also a
0: fat name. Yeah, <laughs> that bicentennial room was so ugly. Yes, it reminded me of the season of Drag Race where. Alexis Mateo did the BAM and she was wearing that like American flag outfit. Yes. Mm -hmm. If someone made like decorated a room out of that outfit. salute to the troops. Yeah, yeah, that's what this room looks like. Um, So there's a moment like Evie is so self-absorbed and can't stand Coco. And at a point Coco is trying to be vulnerable with Evie and explain to her like about her abortion. And she's crying in the room with Evie. and telling her full story and then when she looks back to get evie's response we see the evie put on headphones
1: <laughs> uh, the flashbacks at coco where she has the long brunette wig she looks like dolly wells
0: to me she looks nice mm-hmm. probably the line i remember from this film the most is when coco tells evie about her abortion evie's like that's what you're mad about girl i've had more children pulled out of me than a burning orphanage
1: (laughs) Yep, that's a good one that's a classic line i'm sad you don't remember the movie night because i made a i invented a drink called a burning orphanage that i served people
0: that kind of sounds familiar okay so yeah you already mentioned this but so coco when she first visits the abortion doctor and has the procedure she feels like they had a strong connection so then when she goes back to the clinic, of course, the receptionist won't give out the doctor's name to protect him. So her only plan is to get pregnant again mm-hmm. so she can go back in. So we get a little montage of her having sex with all these men.
1: <laughs> Doctor, and She calls him Dr. Perfect.
0: And then we find out that he only works on Tuesdays. And when she <laughs> finds out she's pregnant, it's on a Tuesday. So she's like, it was meant to be. But when she goes back, um, he mm-hmm. is there. But she sees that he has a wedding ring. So then she's devastated. It's so, I mean, this movie is so. <laughs> I guess the word would be problematic. I don't know.
1: Well, it's supposed to be.
0: It's, it's so inappropriate. Comedy. So, Varla, she thinks she keeps saying <laughs> Tina Turner, but I think she means Lana Turner. She means Lana Turner. Was yeah. discovered at a diner Trump's- pharmacy or whatever so yeah so she's like all i have to do is go sit at, the, and you know varla is a big old man in a dress so she's always hungry so she's at this diner with like every item on the menu on the table and then this very handsome like european man approaches her and is basically a pimp but we find out that in his country which is this fake country it's like you, you know
1: Bulgarianistan or something. or
0: something crazy he <laughs> says they don't bathe so every so so the joke is that he stinks and then of course this movie's low budget so it basically looks like they put some effect on the camera to make everything blurry (laughs) i think it's funny
1: it's cheesy for sure
0: um and then once we realize because it's all innuendo like of what he wants her to do initially but then we see that she's dressing differently and she has a beeper strapped to her bra (laughs) then we see that varla she got her first like actor gig she's doing commercials for this tv dinner Mm -hmm. that's uh that features so so it's like one of those frozen tv meals but it features this new technology called nutridation which means like it has some sort of like like radioactive particles, radioactive something particles that um mimic the sensation of heat in your mouth and then it, it reads off all the warnings like not safe for consumption causes cancer but, and then one of the flavors you noticed was beef, but it's spelled b e p h e e
1: e p h yeah <laughs> so stupid, and also the restaurant where she meets her pimp, it's a C grade restaurant, but they they put the C on a sign that says oh, <gasps> coffee refills. That's what that
0: was. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm so glad you mentioned that because i all the times I watched this movie, it never. Like I never understood what that meant. But yeah, they're trying to make the C-grade restaurant. (laughs) They're they're trying to hide it. (laughs) So Evie's big movie is Asteroids. So we get a scene from this movie. And if anyone's listened to this podcast before, I know you've heard us say astrophysicist. This is where that movie comes from, because we see that Evie's not a good actor, yeah, and her character is supposed to be an astrophysicist, but she can't say the word. So the way it plays out in the film is it, funny.
1: It's clearly took many takes for her to get that out,
0: <laughs> yeah. So Coco has all this trauma because she's remembered, you know, about her sexual assault and the abortion doctor. so the the stress of it is causing her to slowly hack off her pinky toe with a nail file. <laughs> So, you know, Evie's vile to everyone, including her son, Stevie. And at a point they get into an argument and Stevie asks his mother, what have you ever done for me? And she goes, Carrie, you term for starters, Coca would have had you sucked out for a phone number. <laughs> and then, Barla's talking about like the things she's learned through her experience dealing with the pimp. And she says, feelings are like treasures, so bury them. (laughs) There's also a running gag of Coco farting. And you know, farting is always funny to me. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've also made this joke before. I think I made it yesterday in our live about Coco's proposal from Dr. Perfect. Mm -hmm. He's basically saying to her, like, can I reasonably expect better? So you and I should stop chasing happy and settle for each other. You know people do that <laughs> you know people think like that then there's a moment when stevie finds varla's diary and he confronts her like i think you came here to sabotage my mother and so he's reading the diary and she's like that was a brilliant years ago <laughs> before i discovered spiritualisticity or something <laughs> so varla jean merman the drag performer who i think is very popular um in provincetown Mm -hmm. like she's one of the queens who always has a show during the season i knew this before this movie that she's known for because she can sing like opera Mm -hmm. and she's known for singing opera while shooting cheese whiz into her mouth yeah you see it so she does it uh, in the movie which is pretty cool it's cool but it's uh couched
1: and uh, like it's a dirty secret she has yeah yeah
0: so the special evie's doing is being shot at glendale city college (laughs) and they tell this bitch everything's on green screen so do not wear anything that's like green or blue or purple yeah and the first thing she so when she shows up for her first number she's wearing a green dress so the opening is just her head bouncing (laughs) around (laughs) Um, and then her special ends because she's high as a kite with her naked. Mm-hmm. And I, that scene, I remember, the first time I saw it, I was shocked because they have Jack Plotnick in this bodysuit. So mm-hmm. he has like these sagging breasts and this bulbous furry vagina. This pudenda. <laughs> and then the final scene when everyone's saying their goodbyes because Evie's selling the house and Coco reveals that she's pregnant. <laughs> and her husband, Dr. Perfect, He had a little, we, we get a moment where he's weak and he has, um, sex with Evie weak. So at the end he confronts Evie. Like you gave me
1: herpes. Oh, that, by the way, that's played. He's played by Eric stone street of modern family.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. So like the gay couple from modern family, the, um, the not redhead guy plays Dr. Perfect. Not Jesse Ferguson or whatever. Sam pancake (laughs) is in the movie. Oh, yeah, I forgot about it. Dana Gould is in the movie. Mm -hmm. He's the person who got into a car accident with Evie. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Ron Matthews plays Stevie, who's this very hunky man. And I was looking for him to see if he worked anymore. He he doesn't. He became a fitness trainer. So oh. people can hire him.
1: Oh, and this is uh, directed. This is the debut of Richard Day, who I believe is more of a producer. He did a movie after this that I've never seen called Straight Jacket. No relation to the Joan Crawford, William Castle oh. uh, classic. But in 2012, apparently they all got together and made a sequel <laughs> that has never been released anywhere. I know. I would love to watch that because I think all of the leads have talked about yeah it at some point, and it just never seeing the light of day.
0: I don't know what will have to happen. Someone will need, like a key person will need to die so we can get this movie released. I don't know,
1: but um, I think it's also worth no- noting that uh, I've seen an interview with Varla Jean Merman talking about how she envisioned Barla as the love child of Ethel Merman and Ernest Borgnine because she had read Ethel Merman's memoir and about her marriage to Ernest Borgnine. It's one chapter that's blank, like it's a blank page. <laughs> oh God. <laughs>
0: i would recommend this movie it's uh you know it's inappropriate it it i don't know it it gives me like older queen vibes oh for sure like yeah. when i was like in the 90s as a, a young person and being around older gay men and they would introduce certain films certain too. kind of things like this feels like that to me now yes um it's it's enjoyable it does look really cheap but you
1: know I but don't, it's watchable. I don't, it is very watchable. Yeah. The three leads are very good. Yeah. Uh, but we let the trailers play on my old ass DVD of this, and it. All of the indie films that were coming out U.S. indie films in the early two thousands were so ugly, shot on digital. Because there was a preview for Pieces of April with Katie Holmes. I'm like this, <laughs> that looks terrible. What would you? I mean, get- I've seen that, but it, the look of the film.
0: What would you give? Girls will be girls. Uh, three and a half. I would give it three and a half out of five as well. Uh, so this is Christmas week, mm-hmm. so there will be no screenings.
1: No, and I, the only possible th- release that if you wanted to watch it before the end of the year would be Ferrari because that opens. No, thank you. Oh, um, we're not doing Ferrari. Okay. No,
0: but we can work on content for the Patreon. Is there anything else you'd like to say?
1: Well, we now, I already have a bunch of screeners for stuff opening in January.
0: Ugh. All right. Is that all? Sure. Ta ta.